listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bray Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about Swiss Army Rex and interviewing writer and filmmaker Helena Santos. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am reading a book that I feel like a lot of people are talking about. It's called Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. Oh, yeah. So this is in my uh, my library holds. I'm really excited to read this. It took me a long time to get it. So I'm I'm reading it now. Um, it is very sad. Uh, I will just let it, trigger warnings for lots of things. Um, but it, it is also really beautifully written. Um, so she is a musician, but also, but the book is more about her, or so far it's about her growing up um, as an Asian American kid in Oregon, um, and uh, just just her relationship with her mother, and then how it changed once she, her mother got um, diagnosed with cancer, and all the things that she's tried to do, tried to help her mother, the way that she like the relationship changed. Um, it's a lot of great food descriptions. I know people love those. That's a that's a thing. Um, but it's just a really well written, beautiful book. Uh, it is trigger warnings for for death and cancer because uh, there have been a few times where I was reading it and it is I had to I had to stop reading it because it's a little it's so sad um, but it's so beautifully written uh, but it is just it's a wonderful book kind of about identity and about um, relationships with our parents and how those kind of change as we get older. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, so I am reading a really adorable middle grade graphic novel that I am completely obsessed with. It's called Seance Tea Party by Romaina Yee. And so I think it, listeners, please write in if, if this is something that happens to you. I think I have an unintentional wheelhouse item. Like I keep reading books with ghosts as characters and I think this is just something that I like and never realized before. Yeah, so this is a middle grade graphic novel with a ghost as a character. It's mm-hmm. really, really adorable. Um, really great for folks who love spooky things, Halloweeny things. It's about this young girl. She's like 12 years old. She's obsessed with Halloween. Uh, she has this really vibrant imagination and she has all these great friends. And But all of a sudden, she notices that her friends want to play with her less and less because all of a sudden they want to go online and they want to put on makeup and they want to talk about boys and they want to make TikToks. And <laughs> all of a sudden she is feels really alone because she's still I mean she still wants to go into the woods and play make-believe and um you know just like be a kid she's not ready to grow up yet and she's really stressed out about it and what happens is she ends up connecting with what she thought was her childhood imaginary friend but it's actually a ghost that lives in her house and it's the ghost of this young girl uh, and they have a ton of fun together but eventually the ghost realizes that she needs to move on and so it's it's a really amazing book about these two characters one's a ghost and one's a real living girl and they're both trying to make peace with the fact that nothing can stay stay the same forever at some point in your life you've got to move on you've got to grow up you've got to um but, but you can do it on your own terms and the art is really really beautiful again there's like all kinds of fun spooky stuff going on if you loved um any of the spooky graphic novels i've ever talked about on the show or recommended this is um another great one to go with so that seance tea bar seance Tea Party by Ramena Yee. And mine is Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Colleen wrote in with a hot book tip. Wow, wow. wow. Hot book tip. Hot book tips in the morning with Brian Mallory. I, I need to like figure out a sizzly sound or like a lighter clicking. A lighter clicking. Ooh, or like, yeah, like a, a match, fire. A match being struck. Yeah, 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 that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so Colleen says, I was listening to your latest episode about choosing what book to read next, and I wanted to bring up something that has taken the book community by storm, TBR Games. Oh, go just, on. Just uh, just search YouTube for TBR Games, and you'll find the most creative ways to choose what you read next. Some of the more known games are Bookopoly and TBR Pursuit that have an actual board. I found Je- Jesse's deck of TBR on YouTube. The card- cards are available on Etsy. So once a month, I roll a six-sided die, and that determines the number of cards I pull from the deck. 
Each card has a reading prompt like read a book with an Asian protagonist or read a book with a Jewish protagonist not set during war wartime. And it's such a fun way to look at the books on your current TBR. I wanted to know what you two think of this idea of gamifying reading. Bria, we got to get one of these things. We're going to put it on our wish Must list. Do we it. have to test this out. Must this, do it. I, I did not know this even existed. This is so cool. This is such a cool idea. And I think it helps people who are like, I don't know what to read. Like people who just like literally cannot choose. Like, so it takes the choosing out of it. It like pushes you in a direction. I thought it was going to be like you put your TBR like, you know, on a board or something and then you roll a die and it goes with the books you want to read. But I love this where it gives you like a prompt. I like that. That's very cool. This is cool as hell. Jess wrote in and said, I recently listened to episode 201 about book finishing rituals. I don't necessarily have a ritual besides just lying there and letting the book sink in. That's a ritual. Uh, But I do tend to tear up with the finishing of a book, even if I didn't particularly enjoy it. The sense of leaving a certain world or wrapping up the story with moving words uh, just tends to make me very emotional. Even at the thought of coming... Even at the thought of coming close to the ending, I can feel my tear ducts start to kick in. Does this happen to other readers? I'd also like to echo Mallory and add that I read one of my Smithsonian's between most novels as it takes me about a month to get get through a physical book, enough time for a monthly magazine to land on my bedside table. That's great. One thing this podcast has really helped with is helping me to not feel guilty about not reading every article in the magazine. I used to think these articles were going to waste and read and would read everything, even if they didn't. I didn't find them all interesting. Now I completely feel completely comfortable focusing on nature articles and skipping the obscure history ones. Thanks. And just as wheelhouse is humanizing characters in mythology, like Circe, short stories, especially magical realism, modern fantasy, incorporating mythology, folklore, and religion, especially what? Zoroastrianism. What's that mean? Zoroastrianism is like a, an ancient religion that's sort of it's a precursor to Christianity. Uh, a lot oh, of yes. a lot of world religions come from Zoroastrianism. I only know this because I used to actually a mutual friend of ours has this book and he's had it for like three four years and I need to get it back from him. Um, uh, I used there's a history of hell by Alice. Oh, I can't remember her last name because um, I wanted to know more about Satan because I'm me. Um, and they talk about a lot about Zoroastrianism in that book. Um, But yeah, it's like a very, very old religion. Excellent. And characters with disabilities, accomplishing goals, and getting support from other characters. Love that. I also, well, I want to say, uh, I also get extremely emotional. I was about to say, you're the only person I know who might possibly get extremely emotional and cry during a at the end of a book. Oh yeah, I I know exactly that feeling. There's something about endings that I get really emotional about. Anything like um, people leaving at the ending of anything, like I cry like a baby at the end of Lord of the Rings where Frodo leaves. No. Like it just, there's some, something about endings and leavings that make me really sad. And there's something about like, oh, I've been with these characters for a while. And now like, especially if it's not a series, which is mostly what I read, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to know what else happens in their lives. They're gone. I'm, I'm, you know, I just, yeah, it's like a weirdly emotional thing. Listeners, please write in if the same thing happens to you, but I totally understand this. I, even if it's like a happy ending, I'm like, oh, but I'm never going to see the rest of their lives. I think that's so sweet. It's very sweet. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about Swiss Army Racks, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by Green Chef, which is now owned by HelloFresh, which is Super cool because we adore HelloFresh, and that means there's a wider array of meal plans to choose from. There's something for everyone. You can even switch between the brands. Extremely cool. So Green Chef makes cooking easy with dinner options that work for your lifestyle, not the other way around. Folks, you know I don't like cooking. I barely even like food. That's why I was so pleasantly surprised with how much I adored Green Chef. Because, you know, normally when you're making dinner, you have to figure out what to eat, and then you have to figure out what to buy, and then you have to figure out how to make it. Green Chef takes care of all of those problems for you. Plus, all the ingredients are handpicked and delivered right to your door, contact-free. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't even have to get up. You can do it all, pick, out, pick out your, your plan and your meals on your phone. All you have to do is let Green Chef do the meal planning, the grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. 
It is so easy. It's incredible. And they're the first USDA certified organic meal kit company, which means they deliver you fresh, flavorful veggies straight from the farm. It is awesome. I really love the variety of meals that you get. Uh, you listeners know that me and Bria are both vegetarian, and people think that that means that you might have to eat boring things like just salads over and over again which is absolutely untrue uh we've loved all of the meals that we've gotten through green chef actually uh their corn chowder recipe their vegan corn chowder recipe which is so good has become sort of a staple in my house we even let sean try it out and he liked it so much i mean it's it's fantastic so if you're busy or if you want to switch to a different type of eating lifestyle or you just have like me and you have a hard time figuring out what to eat you don't like meal planning you you have a hard time cooking green chef is absolutely perfect for you we've had so much fun with it i've always been so pleased at how fresh the ingredients are how interesting the recipes are how good they are it's it's awesome so all you have to do is go to greenchef.com glasses 100 and use code glasses 100 to get a hundred dollars off including free shipping that's greenchef.com glasses 100 and you get $100 off, including free shipping, $100 off of food. That's absolutely amazing. So that's greenchef.com slash glasses100 for $100 off. Glasses100. Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? This week, it's all about Swiss Army recommendations. They're the kind of books you can recommend to anyone. But what makes a Swiss Army book? And what are ours? Uh, So, Bria... We've definitely heard this term before somewhere on the bookish internet, but I think we really started using it recently after the Maximum Fun Drive, um, where we, re- we we realized that we each have a handful of books that we can re- recommend to almost anyone. Um, what do you think makes a good Swiss Army book? I think it's a book that many genre lovers can read, meaning you like all sorts of genres. You kind of or you like specific or you like just specifically one genre but it kind of crosses genres so it can be like a little quirky it's not like it doesn't fit in one specific category um like and I think that really helps because if you're like oh I just read this I just read literary fiction I just read sci-fi or something you need a book that kind of like can fit multiple categories for people I think that really helps and also it's gotta be really good very very (laughs) good it's gotta be like so good that people are like even if it's not the genre they wouldn't normally read, they, like, have trouble denying it. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. But, like, it seems obvious. But, yeah, it's yeah. worth saying. Has to be wicked fucking it's good. It's got to be good. <laughs> got to be good. Okay, that. But what else What else do you think? Um, yeah, I think a good Swiss Army book has a little bit of something for everyone, but not too much of anything. Mm, okay. That's, that's, that's a key for me, I think. Like, it's a little bit literary, maybe a little bit genre, maybe a little bit memoir. It, like, it has good characters, but also good plot, you know, good setting, beautiful writing, some mix of all the different reading pathways. But it isn't all one thing. Like, it's not super literary or super sci-fi or super whatever. Um, mostly because I think a lot of people have perceptions about what they think they like and what they don't. Um, like, for example, I think a lot of people loved Red, White, and Blue, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston um, because they they might have like preconceived notions of like, oh, well, I'm not a romance reader. I don't yeah. like romance. But this book was like literary romance. So they got into it and they're like, oh, I actually really love this. You know, they might think that they don't like sci-fi. They might not. Um, they might think they don't like westerns or they might think literary fiction is boring um but i found that a lot of swiss army wrecks are often books that make people think otherwise because they're a mix of other genres 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that kind of goes along with my next idea, which is I think that I think it should be accessible. So I think that 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 is like kind of part about accessibility. Like it's that it's because it's this mix, it makes it more accessible for people. Um, and and what we're often talking about is like a book that someone who's like randomly going to pick up a book would be happy if they didn't read that much. So I, I think um, it just has to be like a book that you're like, oh, like the writing is good, but it's not too difficult. Like maybe it's kind of short. It's something that is like feels very accessible for people who who have preconceived ideas, like you said, or just preconceived ideas about reading a book, period. Yeah. Like they're like, I don't know. I don't read books ever. Like I think it has to fit into a cat to where they're like, oh, I could read this book, you know? Yeah. I also think that they can't be too long. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, they can't they have to be short. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like cause it's tough to convince someone to read a honker. Like yeah. especially people who don't read often. Um, no one's gonna be like, Oh, cool, I'll pick up this eight hundred page book. No problem. Um most of the books I see that are widely appealing are like under four hundred pages, like yeah. around three hundred. Um I especially find myself recommending Swiss Army books to people who aren't hardcore readers. And yeah. like I said, most casual readers don't want to dive into a huge book or like you said, a book that's like very cerebral, maybe super hard sci-fi. Um, they just like, even if it wouldn't be a problem for them to read, a lot of people um, think like, they're like, oh, I just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I mean, and I get it. There's very, there's a lot of times where I'm too stressed out and I'm like, you know what? I can't deal with any physics or math in a book i just can't my brain can't deal with it right now yeah and especially when we're talking about people who have these like preconceived ideas about like sci-fi and you hand them a hard sci-fi book and they're like um this was my preconceived idea you've checked it off this is exactly what i was scared of <laughs> i was scared you were going to give me a, a 400 page book about about building a spaceship <laughs> <laughs> they're like no thanks no, thank you. um so we both have our handful of books that are our go-tos when people ask for recs, but we're going to dive into a little bit about like why they are. So Priya, yeah. what is, what is, what's one of yours? Uh, the first one I talk about on the show all the time, which is Kamiya Store Woman by Sayaka Murata, translated by Ginny Tapley Takamori. Um, I think what's nice about this book is that it defies categories. So it is quirky. It is literary fiction. But I think people who just like genre or something would like it. And it is short, so it's like accessible. But I think it's also, what's great about it is it can intro, intro people into translated books. Because it has all yes. this. Because it, it is a translated book, um, but it's very accessible. And it has all this like fun Japanese stuff in it. So you like you like feel like you're in Japan with this woman who's living her life. And it has a really compelling main character who's going to get people it invested. It feels just like a breath of fresh air when you read this book. You're like, oh, I haven't read a main character like this in a long time. It's really interesting, but it's like not so like if you're if an American is reading it, it's not so like <laughs> oh fantastical. It's just like a fun book that's kind of. I mean, it has some tough stuff in it, but it also is like oh, it's a little bit of an escape. Um, but it's not like I'm putting someone on a planet they've never heard of. It's Japan, you know, so yeah. it's not yeah. completely out there for people. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I've never recommended this book to someone who like didn't like it. I just think it's one of those books that people just are like, oh, not like something I've normally read and kind of gets people who may not pick a pick up a translated book uh, to go like, oh, I do like translated books. You know, I think that 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 is kind of my goal with that one a little bit. Um, yeah. What's your first one? Yes. You already know what it is. <laughs> um, obviously, my big pick for this one is Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood. Because um, it's just, it's a perfect amalgamation of things. It's sort of literary, but it's also very funny. You know, it has parts that are like very lyrical and poignant, but they're the, and it also has parts that are very silly and very fucking hilarious. Like, it's good for someone who's looking for something funny to read that's light, but also people who are looking for something really deep to read. It's like, it's a strange subject. You know, it's this book, it's a memoir of Patricia Lockwood and her and growing up with her father, who is, was an Anglican, Anglican priest, um, but then switched over to being a Catholic priest because of some weird loophole and like Christian, uh, admin. <laughs> and he only became a priest at all because he watched an exorcist while he was on a, he watched the exorcist while he was on a submarine in the Navy and it made him believe in God. Um, and it's like a strange subject, but I think it's also very widely appealing because it, 
you know, a lot of people have very weird family members and very strange family dynamics and they can relate to it. Um, and I found, I just found that a lot of different kinds of readers love this book, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a hardcore genre person or you're a literary person or you just love memoir, memoirs. Like it's just, it's very, very widely appealing. And I, I, I know that there are glassers who didn't like it and it's fine. Like people always like feel the need to apologize to me if they don't like Priest Daddy. It's fine. How dare Um, you disparage Priest Daddy. (laughs) But I will say every single person in real life that I've recommended Priest Daddy to has absolutely loved it. I was so happy when you read it and you were like texting me all the funny parts. Oh, it's so funny. That book's amazing. It's great. Uh, What is your next one? My next one is is actually it's Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Oh, because yeah, I was trying to think one. of a good like sci-fi book that I recommend to people because I think a lot of people are like, I don't like sci-fi. And I'm like, I think you do. Uh like you <laughs> you do, you like it. And it's not too much sci-fi. It's definitely literary fiction. Uh, but it but it gets people like who, you know, who might be scared of an apocalyptic book and go like, oh, I actually do like an apocalyptic book because it's about these characters and the world building is really great. Um, so this is sort of my like intro to apocalypses and science fiction book recommendation. And I just think it's like such a, it's just such a well-written book. It's hard to dislike. It's very easy to read, but it is literary fiction. So people are like, I only read highbrow literary fiction. It's like, oh, this is a book. This is that. You will like You will like this book. And it's interesting the whole way through. Um, and there's no hard sci-fi stuff in it. But it's just like a, I think this is my, um, it's my Swiss Army wreck, but for people who think they don't like genre books. Yeah, no, I, 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 I co-signed on this one. I think this is this is another one that I've recommended to a bunch of people. Yeah, um, and they're like, oh, maybe I do like apocalyptic things. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I, I think people who shy away from genre are maybe people who've you know. Uh, like it, throughout school for a lot of people in college, you know, there's a lot of professors out there who say that sci-fi is not a, not real books or whatever it is. Um, and they don't realize that sci-fi is so important and there's so much sci-fi wor- work right now that is great character work. And yeah. it's like beautiful, just beautiful writing. And I think this ticks off. This is another book that I think ticks off all the reading pathways because the writing's beautiful, cool setting, post, post buckle post-apocalyptic setting you know you get really involved in a lot of the characters but also the plot keeps you going yeah because you want to know what's going on yeah it's just like it ticks off a ton of boxes uh what is your next one you know it's magic for liars oh good one I, our, our friend of the show sarah gailey i'm obviously biased because sarah's a really good friend of mine but they are um because i'm always like oh you gotta read gotta read sarah gailey. but this is another um, but, one the same thing it's a genre it's a good genre uh, book for people who don't read genre i totally agree exactly yeah it's the perfect like fantasy literary mystery crossover because it's got like some noir mystery elements it's got some fantasy elements it's about this um pi who is her the pi's sister was born with magic but she was not and has been very bitter about it her entire life and um, has been sort of estranged from her sister until one day she gets called to investigate this mystery that happened at this magical boarding school where her sister works as a teacher. Um, so this it's got, it ticks off a bunch of wheelhouses. You know, you got the, the mystery, you got the PI, you got the magic boarding school. Um, and there's just a bunch of things going on. And, but it's, it's, and it's definitely a fantasy book, but it's so grounded in the real, real world. Um, and it has like this very literary approach to the characters, but it's also grounded in noir and mystery. And it just ticks off this. It's just such a widely appealing book. And again, this is another book that I've recommended and everyone I've ever recommended it to in real life has come back and been like, oh my God, I got to read everything by Sarah Gailey. And I'm like, yes, you fucking do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know what your next one's going to be. Yeah. What, what is your next book? This is my go-to. This is the one I recommend. This is, I, I saved the one I recommend to everyone for last, which is Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Um, you got a great female lead, but it's like a, it's a light book. It's got some magical realism in it. So if people are like, e, I don't love magic. I'm like, just read it. Okay. It's not so much. It's not heavy <laughs> magic. It's hardly any magic. Um, it's got, you could take this book, sh- book to the beach. It's not going to get you down. Um, like people don't want a dark book sometimes. And I think that like, this is, a, I agree, this is, like, especially people, in the past year and a half. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think this is such a good one. Um, and it's just like a great story. It's a great story about this woman being like, maybe I don't want to live a corporate life anymore. Maybe I just want to make fucking bread from the sourdough starter that feels a little magic. And like, that's the story. And it's such a good, it's well-written. I, I, I feel like it's is my, this is my number one go-to when people are like, I want something light 
but is like good to read. Like this is the book. This is my. This is the one. Plus, got a little bit of food magical realism in it. Something on my. Uh, something I love a lot. Um, yeah, Bria's new. We. I think we both have two. We have two new wheelhouse items for each of us. You love magical food, and I love ghost characters. Totally true. Um, what's your last one? Uh, it's a recent addition. It actually is knocked. Uh, I had a. I had a few other. Um, Swiss Army Rex and this one knocked it out it's the book that I was obsessed with last year is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry because um, I find I think both of us have this experience that there's a lot of people who want to read they're interested in reading horror adjacent things even if they're not ready for full on horror they want to read something that has spooky or witchy things in it but they don't want something that they're gonna have to put in the freezer at night um <laughs> people love witches that's another thing we learned from max fun drive totally what i love about this book too uh just to jump on your recommendation is that it's a ya book and people are scared of ya and i think it's such a good introduction to like this is what ya can be all you need is is a protagonist is protagonists who are not who are not adults you know you need people in this age range and that makes it a ya book and people are like oh no ya is going to be about like teen romance and like acne and it's like no this is actually a book that has like <laughs> like something to say here it's about these friendships which is so great yeah, I, again, I think this so this book is it's definitely very literary, but it's got a lot of witchy shit in it. It has all these great characters, has this amazing plot. It just came out in paperback, too. And the paperback is like a bright pink with like cool, oh, like cool. 90s. Love that. Like, like, you know, I'm trying to I'm saying 90s symbols, but you know what I mean? Like when you see something with like a like brightly colored neon lightning bolts and things like it just looks like like neon windbreakers from the 90s like mm-hmm. that's what the, the paperback looks like it's just very eye-catching it's a it's just a perfect summer book um I, it was one of those books where i read it and i immediately wanted to read it again and um, we've heard from a lot of folks who read this when i because i became completely obsessed with it it was my number one read of 2020 um and they were like they just came back they're like oh my god i love this mm-hmm. and i i i think in the past few years there's just been a huge huge mass like tsunami of interest in witch stuff yeah. and this is the perfect book for it because like you said it's got so many wheelhouse i think that's another thing that maybe we didn't mention earlier but has has a lot of things in common with all these books is that they they have they tick off a ton of different wheelhouse items for people yeah. um maybe even people that might not realize that this stuff is in their wheelhouse um but yeah, that's we ride upon sticks has big, become one of my like. I think it's become my sourdough. Whenever someone's like, especially it, it, and listeners can, I'm sure some become listeners can my relate. Sourdough is such a funny phrase. <laughs> everyone has like that person in their life who only reads a few books a year and is like what should i read and like they you know they're not giving you any wheelhouse items they they're this is we write upon sticks is the book that i recommend to people when i have nothing to go on yeah you know what i mean oh. i'm just like oh you need a good book here's a good that book. is your and sourdough. You're probably gonna like it that's my sourdough yeah that's what i that's yeah. sourdough for me mm-hmm because there's some people that ask for book recommendations from me um like my best friend and i swap book recommendations all the time but we also very know each other the the books that we like and i know the things that she likes very very well um but i I, we also have some friends um we actually have a mutual friend uh friend evan who like twice a year evan texts both me and bria and is like what should i what are good books that you're what what are your favorite books this year what should i read and we both give them like two or three recommendations um Actually, I think you recommended We Ride Upon Sticks. I might have. I might have. (laughs) Uh, So we're very interested in hearing what everybody in the um, who listens to the show. What are your Swiss Army recommendations? What's even even if you have to pick just one? What's one book that you find yourself recommending more than others? so you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to writer and filmmaker Helena Santos about her new poetry collection, A Long Dark Summer, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice. But we do see you doing it. Talk if you like to do it. (laughs) Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, honk if you did it? That's what it was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not ever make those? Those We did make them. I think they're still in the Max Fun store. (laughs) Honk, honk. You're doing it. (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. 
honk, honk. Toot, toot. So here we are with actor, writer, and indie film producer, uh, Helena Santos, who just released her first book of poetry, A Long Dark Summer. Thank you for coming on the show. Rhea, thank you so much for having me. And Mallory, I have to start off by saying I'm a huge fan of this podcast and this whole community. I'm just part of the Slack community. And I have to say that it is really bumping in there. It's a cool space to be in. Oh my God. Thank you so much for saying that. That's very nice to hear. Uh, uh, What are you reading right now? Uh, Okay. Well, I literally just finished House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. And I think that's something that Glassers would super, super love. It's amazing. It's this dark fairy tale story. It's really cool. And then I'm in the middle of reading Animal by Lisa Tadeo, which is intense and awesome. And then I'm going to start Arsenic and Adobo, which is by a fellow Filipina author that I'm really excited about. It's like a Filipina murder mystery thing. So yeah. That has been on my list because it has like a food element to it. So I'm excited to check that one out for sure. Yeah. And I I used to eat a lot of adobo growing up. So (laughs) just that in general. Right up my alley. Yep. (laughs) Um, So you want to tell us about your new and first book of poetry, A Long Dark Summer? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, A Long Dark Summer is basically, I call it a pseudo memoir, and it's told in a compilation of poems that I set between 1993 and uh, 2021. And it's based loosely on my own experience as a biracial woman navigating through Hollywood and basically letting go of the angst of adolescence, threatening to the pull of adulthood, all with the confrontation around issues with race and identity and relationships set against the backdrop of a pretty unforgiving entertainment industry. So I like to say it's kind of like part dreamscape, part punch in the stomach, because there is a lot of melancholy on we in there, but a lot of biting humor as well. Um, well, I loved it. And I, I know Mallory did too. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, it was it was awesome. Why did you? I, I we talked about this uh, via email a little bit, but um, why did you choose to organize it like um, like a memoir or a pseudo memoir? Yeah, well, honestly, I had been writing poetry since I was in high school. I was super obsessed with twentieth century poets at the time, and a lot of their work influenced me. I'd be literally sitting in science classes, writing poems. Um, (laughs) So it's something that I did as a hobby for a really long time. And I I was almost a creative writing double major in school, but I just kept doing it as a hobby. And um, I turned 40 this year and I had thought how much I always wanted to put together a book of poetry. It was kind of just a life goal of mine. And when I started to look at all the pieces that I had, once, you know, top of pandemic happened, um, I realized that I had a ton of poems that could be interwoven together. And so I started to try to build a overarching narrative of what that story would be if I chose sort of one protagonist and one narrative voice to tell a journey. And I love memoirs. So that's basically why I chose that framework to put it all together in. I love that. Um, and so this is your first book of poetry, but you did put out an, uh, a nonfiction book or you you were the editor, I guess, of a, of mm-hmm. a nonfiction book a, a couple of years ago. Um, how does this feel different? Like this is a, this one obviously is very personal, although that one was sort of personal stories as well. Um, uh, what made you want to do that change? Well, I think this is something that felt really wholly my own thing. And it's it's something where I felt like I just really needed to do it for myself. And if anyone else wanted to read it, that'd be amazing. And luckily, people have been really into it and getting on board with it, which has been such an honor. But it felt it really felt like artistically, it was something that I wanted to put in the world as sort of if my life was a time capsule of art, here it is. And you can have it in this one book. It really feels representational of myself in that way. So just from, I guess, a purely selfish perspective, I wanted it out in the world. I love that. Um, So you dive into a lot of different topics here. Like you said, so you have Hollywood, you have race, you have relationships, you have music. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you hope people take away from the book? I know that's a difficult question. So if it's, that's too hard, let me know. No, I mean, I was thinking about what poetry is in general, what I get out of poetry. And um, I always, 
as you know, a writer and also as a reader of poetry, I want to be able to go on a journey and do a deep dive and have like a fully immersive experience, experience, which to me is the power of poems. Because in this really short amount of time, you have this little small vignette of something, but you can go on a huge journey within even just a few words or sentences. So I personally hope that by the end of having read this book, not only has the reader gone on an entire journey with the narrator, but also each one of those poems is kind of a life into itself. And my first poem um, is called Las Vegas Snow Globe. And it's sort of supposed to be almost a metaphor for the entire book where you can look at each poem in its own little universe. Um, so I hope that people can you know, enjoy things in and of themselves, but also enjoy the entire journey. Um, and a lot of 90s nostalgia along the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot I of that, that. there. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely here for the 90s nostalgia. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Do you read a lot of poetry and can you recommend any for the listeners? Yeah, I do read a lot of poetry. Um, I have to say that uh, Andrews McNeil is a really great publishing house that releases a lot of great contemporary poems and gets behind contemporary poets. Like Olivia Gatwood is someone who's pretty incredible. She has a couple different books out. One is Life of the Party, which is really interesting there. I mean, trigger warnings, make sure you you look into that because it, there is stuff with violence against women. Um, but for people who are true crime buffs, it's really interesting how she weaves worlds of sort of feminist perspective and the way society looks at crime against women. It's really fascinating. Um, and they have a site called readpoetry.com, which is basically a blog and community that they run and it lifts up, lifts up other poets. And then like for glassers who love darker things, because I know that's a lot of the community that we're in. Um, <laughs> if you go back in the day to sort of what inspired me, the 20th century poets like T.S. Eliot and Sylvia Plath, Ginsburg, a lot of that stuff that you maybe didn't want to read when you were in high school or college, if you go back and visit it, it's like a gold mine. So mm -hmm. I would definitely say check out all that stuff. Awesome. Um, so if someone is maybe picking up a book of poetry and they don't often do that, do you have advice for them? Do you have anything that you think can help them to get into that mindset? Like what, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have to say the way I got into poetry just originally was through music because lyrics are basically poems. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. for me, I mean, I was obsessed with Jim Morrison. I mean, like, Obviously, Jim Morrison didn't ha occur in the 90s, but I was obsessed with Jim Morrison when I was in the 90s growing up. And he actually has a lot of books of poetry uh, already that are separate from his albums and people like Leonard Cohen, even if you look at Fiona Apple's work, like if and you mm -hmm. look at her lyrics, that's a great way to dive into poems, quote unquote. Um, Cause often poetry can feel really, you know, intimidating or elitist and it doesn't need to, and it shouldn't. Because if you look at even Instagram right now, you can just hop on Instagram and literally search hashtag poetry. And you could read these short, wonderful poems that people are putting out there all the time. And slam poetry is a great way into poetry. You know, if you're someone who's really into social justice issues, it can be a whole world of stuff that you're learning in there. Um, so I, I think the key is to not feel like you have to sort of digest poetry as a scholar or be really um, elitist in how you read it. It's, it's, they're there to be multi-layered. So you can read a poem that seems really simple on the surface and enjoy it, but you can also dive into something and find all the different layers and it can be much more complex that way too. So there's no right or wrong way to read poetry. It's just one of those things where it, you know, you can start from any place and dive right in. I love that. And I love the idea of like lyrics being an accessible form of poetry. That's really mm -hmm. interesting. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's definitely how I, I started to get into it. Because I thought, oh, maybe I'll write songs. And then I realized I wasn't a very good songwriter, but I could <laughs> write poems. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to come up with the, the, the um, whatchamacallit, you know, the whole like theme and the music and stuff. I could just come up with the words. <laughs> right, right. Of course, of course. Um, all right. So you're a glasser. You already know what yeah. this is. Um, yes. Uh, you were, you, I, hope, I hope you knew this question was coming. I uh, did. What, what is your reader wheelhouse? Oh, gosh. God, I love glassers. I love that this is like so <laughs> exciting to be able to talk about. Honestly, <laughs> before I started listening to reading glasses, I didn't have a lot of glasser reader friends in my life. So I feel like I know everyone so well just 
from hearing people's wheelhouses, but um, I have to say my wheelhouse is um, contemporary thrillers that have female detectives or like investigators or just like amateur sleuthy people trying to figure some shit out on their own. Um, anything that has road trips across America, uh, anything that's folksy Americana feeling, but not old school, it has to be sort of contemporary. Um, my dog agrees apparently. And, um, and I love memoirs. I'm really, really into memoirs, but not celebrity memoirs. Like I love memoirs of everyday people overcoming things and especially reading about people who are kind of in their thirties to fifties, maybe just cause you know, that's where I find myself at 40. I just find it really interesting to read other people's experiences. Oh, like, like name a memoir that you think, uh, like oh, it's gosh, in so that many. category. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Sulika Juad or Sulika Juad, she um, is a New York Times bestselling author and she wrote a book called um, Between Two Kingdoms based off of the New York Times bestselling art, um, uh, column that she did called Life Interrupted, all about dealing with cancer when she was 20 years old. And she yeah. went on a journey going to visit all of the different people who wrote into her while she was writing that column. <gasps> And wow. it's phenomenal. And also, you know, sidebar, um, she runs the isolation journals, which is a weekly prompting writing thing that you can like hop into and get a writing prompt every Sunday. Um, I'll be actually giving one soon. I think in a couple months, mine is up, but it's, it's a really cool little community in there too. Um, so she's super involved in that stuff, but her book between two kingdoms is really amazing. Um, it's and the way she writes is man if I it's so eloquent and just so beautiful so if someone wants to dive into a good book that's definitely one okay awesome I love that so this episode is all about Swiss army book recommendations do you have any books that you think you could recommend to absolutely anybody um, okay, this is a bit of a hard one for me because it, it really depends on what genre someone is looking for. But I do have to say that The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho was one of those ones that I told people to read for years and years because like, not only is it super accessible and that its prose isn't too difficult to follow and it's a fairly quick read, but I feel like so many people, all of us really through most of our lives are in a state of searching for meaning and answers and all that kind of stuff. So it really resonates with a lot of people. But honestly, I mean, it's been a minute since I read it. So I'm really not sure how well it's aged. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, talking about wheelhouses, um, I'm a real sucker for memoirs of non-celebrities, because I, I feel like reading someone else's journey, um, it helps us kind of excavate through our own lives and uncover things and anytime I've recommended some of my favorites to people they're always a hit so like I said before um Salika Jouad's Between Two Kingdoms is amazing but the one that I've been recently recommending to a lot of people is Jedediah Jenkins first book called To Shake the Sleeping Self and it's all about his journey cycling from the Pacific Northwest all the way down to Patagonia um, oh my so god it's a, yeah it's amazing it's a true story and it's like he he documented the entire thing on instagram and this is before instagram was a really big thing so you can see all his photos from the trip and it's so it's an adventure story and you know a cycling road trip story but through this trip it's a whole coming of age aspect because he's working through his emotions about being a gay Christian man and trying to find out who he is in the world and like what labels and gender and sexuality and all that means to him. So it goes from being this like adventure book to being something really, really deep. And a lot of people, even though, you know, clearly that's not my own experience. Um, and a lot of people I know who I suggest the book to, it's not theirs, but there's something in it that we can all relate to, which is why I think it's so good. And he's an amazing writer. So there's that too. <laughs> so what do you think makes a good Swiss army recommendation? It seems like maybe being able to find something about yourself in there or being really relatable to everyone is something that you look for in these kinds of books. Yeah. I mean, for me at least, cause I think, um, there's something really rooted in like an honest reflection of the human condition in whatever way that is. And so, and, I mean, by human, it can be a non-human character or something that we're all relating to. It can be animal farm, you know, like yeah. <laughs> whatever. But if it's something that helps us reflect on who we are um, and no matter what the genre, then I think that there'll be something that someone can find in the story itself that, you know, you can at least talk to that little piece of who we are inside of us that we're all we all have in common just because we're human. So 
Um, I think if it's something that connects with you in that way, then it might connect with someone else. At least I hope so. Um, all right. Where can we find you online and where can we all buy A Long Dark Summer? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, can I say that it's super cool that in the challenge this year, the poetry, I love that poetry's on there. I also <laughs> love that you're um, championing people to go and rate and review and read BIPOC writers' works. I think that's super important, like not just because I'm half Filipino, but just in general, because I find that I'm not diverse enough in what I read. Um, so anyways, sidebar to that, but for a long time, people summer, can check out two things from the challenge. I, I, I was actually thinking that I was like, Hey, if anybody wants to check out my poetry book and also do another thing <laughs> on the challenge at one time, that's pretty convenient. Um, very convenient, very convenient. but no, it's uh, available for e-readers on Amazon Kindle and also on Kobo. I just got it up. Actually, your, um, your episode that you just put out about Kobo made me go, oh yeah, of course I should put it on Kobo. So I put it on Kobo. And then uh, in paperback, you can buy it on Amazon and bookshop.org. And then also on my website, if you want to get a signed copy from me, you can order it from there. And I'm currently up in Canada, so it might take a hot second to get to if you're in America. But um, yeah, you can get one of those there too. So that's at helenasantos.com. And I have links to everything there. And I'm on Slack on the readers, on the Glassers Slack all the time and on Instagram. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Yay. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So now let's answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Erskine writes in, first off, I love your show. Your humor and wit in talking about one of my favorite hobbies, reading, is keeping me sane on my drives to the hospital. So keep up the good work. Um, so I'm an e-reader and have been for many years, as are some of my family. It's a family of five. We use bookmarks in the Kindle because sometimes one of my children are reading the same book as I am. And Kindle will remember the, la the place of the last person reading, which can sometimes not be me. We all use the same account since we all live together. From last week's episode, very yeah. interesting book sharing. Yeah. I love it. Um, second, here's the question. I'm a bit confused about Mallory and side reading, <laughs> especially with the book seat. I also read sideways, but when I do so, I turn the book sideways too, so that the position of the book to me is the same as if I was sitting up. The book seat doesn't look like it would be good that way. So Mallory, when you side read, do you read the book perpendicular to yourself? Like if you were all of a sudden to sit up, do you need to rotate the book to keep reading? Or how does the book seat work with a book on its side as well. I'm just a little confused. Wonder if you did a poll of side readers, if they read with the book perpendicular to themselves or parallel. Um, so Bria, what position do you use your e-reader? Are you a parallel or perpendicular? Uh, I'm sorry. What kind of psychopath is doing uh, perpendicular? Are you? Mallory's pointing <laughs> to herself. What? How? That seems insane to me. How can you read like that? Well, I'll, I'll explain in a second. First, you explain. I obviously am a e parallel reader. You turn the book on the side, so your eyes and your plane of existence is all on the same. <laughs> plane of existence? It's all the same. So, like, I do, <laughs> I read on my side a lot, especially when I'm tired, when I'm really super tired, and I'm like, I got, like, five minutes of reading. I mean, I lay on my side and usually fall asleep that way. Um, and then I just put the book on its side. It's a Kindle, though. So this is part of the problem. I, I have tried to do this with physical books, and it's like, confusing because you're like which page is up in the air you can only read a page it doesn't really work with physical books perfect for an e-reader i just do i also want to just re-shout out good call on this bookmarks with the kindle with the kids i love that the kids and her share books that's a really good good hot book tip all right mallory you freaking weirdo what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> um so the funny thing about this is I was when I was reading this, I was like, oh, wow, I never thought of turning the book sideways. What in the hell? Because <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm on my side, I have my book perpendicular to me uh, and the book seat too. Um, but this is because the book seat um, – but uh, because the book seat has that little plastic piece that you can keep your book open, I think it would work on its side as well. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Um, can we, I just got to clarify this. You're laying on your side – and the book is up and down. So basically your eyes are moving. When you're looking at the book, your eyes are moving instead of going like when you're when you're reading across the page, your eyes are going up and down to read across yeah. like this. And then as you yeah. go down the page, they go left and right. Yes. So, uh, I mean, very interested in hearing from fellow readers about their book placement. Uh, I will say I always ha I do have my head tilted a little bit up. Um because it, so it's normally more like a very intense lean um 
So you know how some dogs are big leaners? That's also me. Mm-hmm. Uh, love a lean. Um, but cause for me, it's cause I'm like 60% a print reader. Um, you know, if, if you're having, I'm very confused about having a book on its side. Do you let it rest on its spine? Yeah, it's tough. I've no, tried no. this. This has been my, this has been an issue for sure. Yeah. Do you have it almost out of the cover? Or are you holding it up the whole time? It just seems like a lot of work. So if if you don't hold it up, isn't it like partially closed? Like yeah. it just uh, seems, I, I think I, I, I'm going to say right now, I think that the divide between perpendicular readers and parallel readers is the e-reader print reader divide. I think so too. Yeah, you're probably right. The the it is it I've tried to do it with a print book and it's always like, "Ugh, I just got to This is why I actually don't like reading print books in bed that much because I always want to lay on my side when I get tired and then the, the print book suddenly becomes like unmanageable. It's like unwieldy. Yeah, so I just prop it up and then tilt my head up a little tiny bit and then go to town. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, my, I, I'll have to test this out with my e-reader. I think my Kindle Libra, though, it rotates depending on where, where you, like, you can't, I mean, I guess I think I could lock it, but you, yeah, you if lock, you don't you lock, it, lock it, it'll rotate up. Uh, mine doesn't, but it might be with new Kindles, it does. But yeah, you can definitely lock it, just like you can lock your iPhone or whatever. Yeah, I'm very, very interested in the, um, how, and the book, book placement for people, um, yeah, I never even thought to turn it on the side. Um, wow. it, I'm very interested to see if there are print readers who are also side readers who have the book parallel to them. Like, how do you do that? I'm very, folks. <sighs> what a revelation we're having in. today. What a revelation. This is uh, this is such a, I don't know. I didn't even know this was going to be a any sort of, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, it just... I don't know. It seems uncomfortable to me to lay on your side and like have a book like sideways. It just seems a print book. Yeah, I guess with an e- with an e reader, it's just I guess that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I do it every every night. I do this. <laughs> every well, we night. found well, we found a new thing for the Bria Mallory divide. Ooh. I am curious. Let's li- I, we gotta get we gotta get listener feedback on this because if people are it is it is. I don't know. I guess I just don't know because I don't read that enough print books because I just like, I, I'm just on my stomach if it's a print book. On stomach, pillow, book on pillow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Okay, well, folks, we're going to have to do a poll. Please write in. I'm very, very intrigued. Um, and if you oh, you want us to answer your reader questions, even if they're weird ones like this, this is this is the bread and butter of reading glasses. I love thinking about stuff like this and finding out how different people read. Uh, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, we have our new... Vo- um, merch collaboration with void merch and there's all kinds of cool mugs and stickers and pillows and shirts and tote bags and journals there's um i think jordan said we can basically put these cool new reading glasses designs on you can basically anything we want um all kinds of cool stuff uh there's a link bath in the show mats. notes bath mats whoa mm-hmm. for tub readers mm-hmm. wow Ooh, you could get a you can get a bath mat that says, says is the cool little design that says if i'm reading don't bother me Love um it. That and that way people know if you're in the tub reading, f- fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you like the show and want to do something for us for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's basically the best possible thing you can do for us for free, except maybe, I don't know, tweet about us or tell people that you know uh, who like books to listen to us. Um, word of mouth is also awesome. But yeah, you can just rate and review us on iTunes. It makes it makes us look very fancy for, for advertisers and new listeners alike. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.